Welcome to the Gridiron Show. Happy New Year! It is 2019 and it is the start of the NFL playoffs. We'll be diving into Black Monday, the head coaching hirings and firings going on around the NFL, ranking which ones we think are the most attractive openings and talking about the latest with Antonio Brown. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter in the studio. Ollie, Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year. Hello to you as well. Did I say hello instead of hello? Yeah. Oh, I don't care. Hello. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you being a grouch mouch? I am an actual grouch mouch today. <laughs> you call me a grouch mouch all the time and I'm normally not grouchy, but today I'm legitimately grouchy. Look, Firstly, we're into the playoffs. It's January. It's an exciting time of football year. Uh, we know that there's going to be f- there actually legitimately four great games coming up this weekend. Four games where you wouldn't be surprised if either team won with every single one of them. And that's exciting. So playoff football is getting off to a bang with a great wildcard weekend. Bang! And later in the sh- week, we will do a show previewing the weekend's action. Yep. Plus, uh, Jacob will join us from Skybet to look forward to Colts, Texans and Seahawks, Cowboys coming up later in this show. Sure. Sure. So that's all very positive. And if you want to go and see your team in playoff action, currently trips available to Dallas, to Houston, to Baltimore, oh, to Chicago, Dallas. and also for those uh, we know that Los Angeles, Kansas City, New England, and New Orleans will be hosting games the following weekend. TouchdownTrips.com have some fantastic playoff deals there and ready to go. Great hotels, great seats. Great packages, great prices. So head to uh, touchdowntrips.com now if you want to go and watch your team in playoff action. Can I just say, and we're very lucky to be able to do what we do. And through either work or through touchdown trips, I've been to all of the four cities that are hosting playoff games this weekend. And each one of those cities is a great place to go and watch football. Each one of them. Great cities with different things that are superb about them. And then... Each of the different stadiums are really cool and the tailgates are awesome. So if you can do it, you can, you've got a bit of money squirreled away. You only live once and perhaps you may only ever get to see your team at play a home playoff game once in 10 years or so. Or a road playoff game in an exciting city like Chicago or New Chicago, Orleans. Great city. Or, yeah, 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 these yeah. are fantastic cities. So absolutely it's, get involved. It's 100% worth it. I've not done... A playoff game and apparently the atmosphere is off the scale so do it so i but the reason i'm a grouch mouch so we had some work related stuff today and it's boring and no one needs to hear me go into that but that set me up for a bad mood for the day i had a sleep i felt okay after doing the night shift last night woke up this afternoon hung out with my wife that was all lovely then i got this work related news and it put me in a bad mood then I went to see, legitimately, one of the most terrible movies I have ever seen in my life. Is it as bad as Rat Race? What, <laughs> what a weird example, but a great example Rat of Race. a terrible, terrible it's a movie. It's a dreadful movie. What's that, what was that film with, um, around the same time, uh, Cameron Diaz, Christina Applegate? Is it The Sweetest Thing? Yeah, my wife loves The Sweetest it is Thing. A dr- I walked out of that movie. It's a <laughs> dreadful film. Oh, so your wife probably liked this movie then. It, I think she did. And I'll tell you, this isn't dif- this isn't terrible in the same way that Rat Race is terrible. It's a film called Life Itself. And if I tell you who's in it, you're going to go, ooh, that sounds intriguing. So Oscar Isaac's in it, Olivia Wilde, ooh, yeah. Mandy Patinkin, Olivia oh, yeah. Cook. There's a whole section set in Spain which has uh, uh, a number of great Spanish actors in it and is all in Spanish language. And it was great for me because I was like trying to work out what I could do along with it and what I couldn't which, by the way, just indicated how engaged I was with the film. The problem was, it's from the same guy that created that This Is Us TV show, the, the very emotionally manipulative, yeah, yeah like, uh, mawkish emotion fest. Do you mean emotion porn? Emotion porn. And this was right up that street. And do you know what annoyed me about it the most? was for about half an hour, 40 minutes, 
It had me really engaged. It was going down this idea of the unreliable narrator, and it was using that as a theme. And I'm a sucker for stuff like that, stuff like Usual Suspects, stuff like Third Man, stuff like where you you know you're being told a story and then you get the rug pulled. Sure, I'm sure. I love those kind of films. Yeah. I Memento, all that kind of stuff. Great, I'm well into it. So I was kind of going along with it. There uh-huh. was some sentimental nonsense. Some of the uh, the scripting wasn't great, but you allow for that. But I was okay with it. Yeah. The first thing to say is that in any film, portray your emotions by portraying your emotions. Don't tell me what your emotions are, because that's not acting. Sure. And the people who were good in it, who were the people I'd already mentioned, who were the initial two couples, the one in Spain and the one in New York, they were great. Everything else about the film was just, as it went on, it got more and more like a unintentional comedy and the whole thing was they did it it was a film that assumes that the audience is stupid assumes that it needs every plot point spelling out to it with either a voiceover or a montage or uh and it was just or or characters explaining it to each other Mm -hmm. at one point it even went as far as i'm sorry this is a minor spoiler alert but i don't care even went as far as to have one of the spanish language characters who had at no point indicated that she didn't speak spanish it was it had been subtitled. It hadn't been a problem at all. And then it had this line where it said, and what my grandmother said next didn't even need translation. And then suddenly the character started speaking in English for no reason and explaining, going on this whole monologue about how life brings you to your knees and you have to drag yourself back up and realise that if you push further on, then you will always find love. I just I hated it so much. It made me so angry by the end. The worst part is it was a special preview screening. So there was a 10 minute Q&A at the end of it with an actor and the director. And I had to sit through that as well. So it's put me in a terrible mood. What was the atmosphere like in the rest of the movie theatre? Most people seemed to buy it. And I heard some sobs. And I heard some, like, people were willing to go along for the ride. I got so angry with it as it went on. Honestly, I don't want to be a film snob, but I will be on this occasion. It was bad. Mm. So that has put me, I'd had a really nice New Year's. I did a good show last night. It's yeah, fun seeing yeah. Sammy again. Yeah. First time I'm seeing Ollie in 2019. I should be buoyed. I should be excited. Yeah. Going to Atlanta in four weeks' time. It's going to be great. And instead, yeah. Yeah. just in a bad mood. I know, buddy. How, how was your New Year? I was at TalkSport for 14 hours. <laughs> and how was that? It was fine. The first eight hours fine. were the first eight hours were really great. I, no word of a lie, literally had my feet up because it was on a desk which was uh, lower the which was higher than my low chair. I had my feet up for eight hours. I watched Spectre, which was great. I watched some of those, uh, you know, those Talking Head best Premier League moments kind of things on Sky. They sometimes have. I watched a couple of a couple of them. Bit of Beverly Hills Cop three. Then I read. <laughs> Then I read my book a little bit. I finished my book, which was great. So I had a really good time. And then it was overnight with Rusty Hargreaves and Sammy Stevens, which was fine. So, look, I had a I had a great New Year's. It was great. Good. I'm uh, glad. You had an awesome one. You had a, a party in the bar. Oh, I had a very messy. But I, I didn't how go was to getting bed. back on the source? I didn't go to bed until 6 a.m. And then I had to wake up again at 7 a.m. to go and have a tactical vomit. Uh, just to clear my, I like I drank four pints of water, then brought those all back up with all of the alcohol and everything that was le- that was there from the night before. But it sorted me right out. I then woke up at like one in the afternoon, felt great. Uh, our friend Mitch had stayed over. We just spent the whole afternoon watching films. We watched the second half of Jurassic Park, then the entirety of Jurassic Park: The Lost World, then Thor Ragnarok, just because they were what was on telly. Oh, that's great! <laughs> and we, we, we legitimately—that's <laughs> great. We, we had leftover food from the night before. Yeah, we yeah. just shoveled it into our faces, and it was fantastic. And then I watched some football, and I was happy. Tell me, did something bad happen? What do you mean? Did did everything go to plan in locking up the pub? Or <laughs> how did you know about that? Was it on an Insta story? Yeah, or something? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my wife managed to lock the keys to the bar in the bar. Oh, she didn't tell us. She didn't say on the Insta story that it was her. Yeah, well, it, it was her at five thirty a.m. or something. So I'm not. She is not to blame for like the fact that I put the keys in a stupid place and she went and locked the bar instead of what we normally do, which is put the keys back in the house to make sure we don't make this stupid mistake. So I am as much to blame as she Fine. is. So I, I'm not putting the blame on her, but. Just it's what happened. So me and Mitch hung over, had to 
remove the hinges from the door of the bar and then slip <laughs> Mitch inside so we could get the keys. Uh, yeah, it was an entertaining way to spend part of the afternoon, but otherwise it was great. Superb. I've had a lovely time. Well done, buddy. We've literally spoken for 10 minutes without talking about any football. This is farcical. What football? American football, because that's what this show's about. Was there American football? Yeah. It's all finished since Green Bay were out of the, the playoffs. I don't <laughs> right. know what's is that, is that the bit you're doing? Is that, <laughs> is that your, your shtick now? Yeah, okay. Let's, get, let's go to... What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about that final week 17... Shanaz, Shanaz, Shanaz. What is that? I don't know. Shebang and something. I know. Else. Look, I think. Oh, should we? Because people have probably heard it all before. Let's talk about uh, Black Sunday turning into Black Monday. Yada yada yada. Look. Oh, oh yeah. All of the stuff from Week Seventeen. You guys know what happened at this point. You've heard other people review it and look back on it. We should really at this point be previewing this weekend, which we will be doing on Friday. But yeah, you're just gonna have to have two shows in two days and get on with it. But <laughs> <laughs> God, you really are a grouch, man. The Colts got in. The Vikings were terrible. The Eagles got in. We've got a whole off season to talk about teams that aren't in the playoffs and where they're gonna go next. However, there are a quarter of teams in the NFL who are without a head coach right now. And so we're going to talk about those available positions, not necessarily who should be filling them, but maybe who is looking to fill them. And uh, and, and really, just consider which is the best job. Which is the job that you'd least like to take and which is the job you'd most like to take. Before we do that, should we talk about Antonio Brown, though? Yeah, what is going on? I think this is a further example, and it was amazing to hear Mike Tomlin talk about being irked that he hasn't spoken to Antonio Brown since before the Cincinnati Bengals game, has had no communication with them since. Antonio Brown, however, is popping up on Instagram round at James Harrison's house, uh, watching the Mike Tomlin press conference with James Harrison and saying that they're going to do an interview afterwards, which I've then tried to find online and couldn't find anywhere. Maybe it's gone up by the time that, that you're hearing from us now. But Antonio Brown has essentially uh, turned around and said, I don't want to be in Pittsburgh anymore. It's the third time this season that he has gone off the radar. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem. When you've got Le'Veon Bell doing it, it, and then you've got Antonio Brown doing it and then you've got Big Ben openly calling out both receivers and the head coach in the media this season it's not when it was just Le'Veon Bell and the team were dealing with it by essentially sacking him off I had no problem with it no player should be bigger than the team no player should be able to behave however they want and should be given just free reign and then welcomed back with open arms the moment the offensive line started to over-celebrate with James Connor, started to slag him off in the media. You started to get the impression something's wrong in Pittsburgh. The more that's happened across this season, the more disheveled, the more of a mess that franchise has become, the more convinced I am that they need to clean house and change the way things are working. Because Mike Tomlin has... There is no coach in the NFL who has achieved less in the last decade with as much talent as Mike Tomlin has had over that time. And not just talent on the field, but coaching talent as well, coordinating talent. That has been a reasonably well-run organisation which has been coached out of Super Bowl contention. Okay, they make the playoffs every year, but since their last Super Bowl victory, they've been back once, they lost, and they should have been back three or four more times based on how weak the AFC has been. At least once or twice. They should at least have one more ring in this time. And they don't because Tomlin has run that organisation into the ground by being a bad coach. I'm convinced of that at this point. Tomlin should be gone. We should be talking about whether Pittsburgh is the best place for a new head coach. Well, if Antonio Brown and Lev Bell are there, yes, it is. But if they're not there, there's an awful lot wrong because I don't think quite the offensive weaponry is there. I mean, you've got James Conner and you've got that offensive line, which was really good this year. You had, you've got on the defence, a defence that actually played quite well in the middle part of the season, middle to the end of, end part of the, of the season. Um, I agree. The fact that Tomlin has failed, and it wasn't down to, as some people have said on Twitter, to the Browns winning and whether he should stay or should he go. The only thing I think would have saved Mike, or should save Mike Tomlin's job, would be maybe, maybe an AFC Championship appearance in that, in that, in that game. Maybe he... He would have, he would have earned the right to retain his job, but the fact that he couldn't get them to even into the playoffs, into the playoffs, and that's not down to the Browns not beating the Ravens, which was a tall order for anyone against that Ravens stout Ravens defense and everything they've got going on with Lamar Jackson, but it's down to not beating 
um, the Browns and tying with them earlier on in the season. As you said, blowing leads against, what was it, four or five, in going into the fourth quarter, four or five teams they're, that they blew leads against and ended up losing. Their last month is a legitimate disgrace. Yeah. When you consider, I mean, yes, they scraped past the Cincinnati Bengals on the last day to give themselves an opportunity of making it. And yes, they beat the Patriots, and they beat the Patriots roundly. But beating the Patriots almost makes me think... Well, that just shows what this franchise can do when they're focused. But losing to the the Broncos, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Saints, all of which in games where they had a lead or tied in the fourth quarter in the last month of the season, just it just showed to me that they were a team who didn't deserve to go to the playoffs. And the Bengals pushed them tight, despite the fact that the Bengals were on the road with most of their stars missing at this point, having put a bunch more people on IR. There's no way that they should have still been in that game. And the mess that is the Cincinnati Bengals coaching um, coaching stable, or as was, um, with with Hugh Jackson brought back in and Marv Lewis, who has ended, ended up since being fired, so or, or not retained. So, look, the Steelers are an absolute mess. An absolute mess. Tomlin doesn't deserve to be there. I know they've had three head coaches in the last 40 years or whatever it is. But the fact that the culture, and I mentioned this on Twitter, the culture within the club is bad. Mm. And that has been proven by um, what's happened with Le'Veon Bell this season, what's happened with him and the, the drugs issues the seasons before where he's missed the first few games because of failing um, or being uh, failing drug tests or being tested positive for for marijuana and and then what's going on with Antonio Brown which who is probably the best receiver or one of the best receivers in the league Big Ben had a really good year he had a 5,000 yard passing year what was it is that's his second time ever that's incredible but the fact that you can't get anything else going ridiculous ridiculous it's they are the <laughs> i was going to say the afc's oakland raiders but they're in the afc as well they're the afc north's oakland raiders an absolutely badly run organization uh, i think antonio brown goes I really do. I think a lot of people have said that because yeah. the fact he's still got three years left on his deal, they could deal him now and it would cost them nothing in cash. They would have a 21 million cap hit, which was essentially negate the growth of the cap this season, which is a frustration. But they've already going to have Levy on Bell likely off their wage bill with no cap hit there. So they're going to still have some cap room to spend. Whereas they, if they keep him around, he's still got sixty million to earn over the next three years. It's a lot of money, obviously. It's a backloaded contract, and it will potentially put some teams off. But there are teams like the Oakland Raiders, the Detroit Lions, the Indianapolis Colts, 49ers, who have the picks necessary, who have the cap space necessary, who it would be an attractive place. You think going to Indianapolis and playing with Andrew Luck? Yeah. Going to San Francisco and getting to work with Carl Shanahan, assuming that. You know, that experiment is going to end up working out. It's still, because of the injuries, very difficult to tell at the moment. And they've also, I think the what you could see is something like the 49ers throwing in like a Solomon Thomas, a former top three pick who hasn't worked out there, but is still a talented player, still has flashes, who could do with a change of scenery, a change of defence. I think you could see, I think it's going to take a first because you saw Amari Cooper go for a first. You saw Brandon Cooks has gone for a first twice. Neither of those came with expensive contracts. But then neither of them came with long-term contracts either. So and neither of them are Antonio Brown. Yeah, I did, yeah, there is obviously that. But he, you, you're taking on a sixty million dollar cap hit for a guy who is past thirty. So that has and, to come into some consideration. And potentially a troublemaker. Yeah, okay. I think a first round pick this year, and maybe like a second or third round pick in future seasons, or a young player like we saw with the Alex Smith trade, where we saw them send Kendall Fuller back the other way between uh, Washington and Kansas City. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing I can imagine them maybe going for if they really think they can't smooth things over and work things out. And based on Tomlin's press conference today, I don't think they will be able to. Well, I said in... in can our... you afford to lose Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown? I know Juju Smith-Schuster's been great. You start again. I think if you're that organisation, you start again if you're keeping Tomlin. And I think it's a case of either Tomlin stays or Brown stays. And I I can't see it being one or the other. And when it comes to, I can only see it being one or the other. And when it comes to, um, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers and how they are with their coaches, Tomlin stays, Brown goes. Wow. 
I can't. You can't. I can't see any other way. That they, yeah, they I, I think. That. I think you're probably right. And it's the thing is, they the the whole only three head coaches since 1969. I think does weigh on that organization to an extent because they can't be seen as somebody who would. They they almost feel like they can't sack somebody before they've given them opportunity again and again and again. And you had a situation like with Chuck Knoll where he actually, after winning four Super Bowls there, I think he went for 12 seasons without taking them either into the playoffs or or deep into the playoffs, certainly, before they ended up getting rid of him. And you just think, don't let that happen again with Tomlin. Make a decision now. And it's an attractive job because, A, there's talent there, and, B, you know you're going into an organisation with patience because they've shown it with the fact that they've only had three head coaches in... 50 years, 60 years, the maths I can't do. 50 years. 50 years, only three head coaches. So it becomes the most attractive proposition, potentially, for one of those long-term head coaches. I I don't, I don't get why he's still there. I really don't. And I don't think he and Antonio Brown, I think you're right, won't both be there. Of the eight head coaches who did go, either the likes of Mike McCarthy and Hugh Jackson, uh, and the, the six who went on and around Black Monday, were there any that really surprised you? This is Todd Bowles at New York, Adam Gase in Miami, Vance Joseph in Denver, Dirk Cutter in Tampa Bay, Marvin Lewis in Cincy, uh, Steve Wilkes in Arizona, and then McCarthy and Hugh Jackson. No. You can make cases for every single one of those going and it being highly plausible and understandable why the organisations got rid of those head coaches. Can you? Yeah, no, I, I... There are some who I feel a little worse for than I do. I mean, Steve Wilkes, I always think a one-and-done coach has reason to have some kind of gripe, but the second half of the season, they weren't a well-coached team. I thought Steve Wilkes started off really strongly with very, very, very little talent in that room, but it never showed development. It never grew. Even with, I I picked this situation just because we've already talked about it, Oh no, let's take a couple. Pat Shermer in New York, I think with the 49ers, what you've seen there, You've seen situations where either through injury or through a new coach coming in and through the seasons have started off rough, but actually have shown promise as they've gone on and shown development. That's what we needed to see from Arizona, and it wasn't there. So I get it, but I always feel like a one-and-done head coach in the NFL always feels a little rough. I'm slightly surprised Marvin Lewis went just because they didn't fire him last year. And I thought if he can survive last year, then he can almost, you know, becomes mm-hmm. the cockroach and the Bengals become the apocalypse. But apparently it was, uh, it was a year too many for him. Well, Adam, Adam Gase is an interesting one to me because we've talked about this before. I think he's a good offensive mind who seemingly has a problem dealing with problem players who, who can't control a locker room it feels like and because of that has let legitimate top tier talent leave his team they have I mean Ryan Tannehill's been dreadful the second half this year yeah his worst season I think if Gase I think Tannehill could probably go as well and the Dolphins could start from scratch what's surprising me is that Gase has somehow become the hottest head coaching candidate and has been interviewing everywhere amazing isn't it he's been at the Jets he's been He's going for the Cardinals, um, somewhere else as well, maybe the Browns. It's bizarre. Um, I I haven't seen enough from Gase as a head coach that that warrants another job. It's bizarre. I'm all for doing your due diligence and interviewing plenty of people and making sure you get the the names and get it out there and, and find... Find out whether it was their reason that it works or whether it was because of a situation with the team, whether they were put in a tough situation. But honestly, I, like you say, I've not seen enough from Gase to make me go, yeah, that's who I'd want coming in the door. Because, close. you know, they scraped a couple of wins at the beginning of the season. Was it four in a row they won? Something weird and then they lost. They won the first three. They went three and oh, and then they had a really weird run where they went like one and four, but with yeah. like... The wins they had right at the beginning of the season were all over the shop. And it was... Yeah, it wasn't wins that you think, do you know what, they deserve, not that they deserve to win, but you understood exactly what that team was all about. And I think... They had the, the weird hurricane game to start the season when it got delayed. Yeah. And they had the, 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 that weird Jets game where they were completely outgained but somehow managed to win. And they had that Raiders game where they snatched victory from the seeming jaws of defeat it was all where the Raiders just collapsed in the second half and then they had then there was the Pats game at the end of the near the end of the season where they won on a on a couple of laterals which was ridiculous look 
there was the issue with Devonte Parker midway through the season where there were questions over he you know he was a healthy scratch for a couple of games and there were questions over his commitment to the team and then he comes back in and and starts making catches as well and just they are you never quite was sure what the dolphins were and and their, what kind of identity they had and th- he made some weird decisions about not giving Kenyon Drake the ball <laughs> enough when he was clearly the most interesting back. I know Frank Gore had a, actually a pretty good season before he went out injured, but the Dolphins were a very weird team. I think they're quite. I think as a as a as a, a place for a new coach, I think they are quite attractive. They're an attractive proposition because you've got. I mean, you've got obviously the climate and and and, and things like that, but. When you've got Kenyon Drake, you're probably going to get a new quarterback. So therefore, there's someone that you can you can mould. It's not a quarterback-rich draft, though, and you're not picking high. So, but there are, are you going some out and trading for someone. Are you going out and trying to bring in a Bridgewater or someone like that? Is that the route you go down well, as a stopgap? A Bridgewater is a stopgap until a, you... a literal bridge quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Which of okay? So looking at the jobs, which do you think is the least attractive job of all the ones out there? Which is the job where you think that is the least talent, the least... There's part of me that doesn't really like the Dolphins because I don't like how the Dolphins have dealt with things. I don't like that Tannenbaum sticks around and Gase goes and it's all a bit kind of... Like they've they've released one of the minor issues with some of the major issues with the the franchise and and suddenly they think it's going to be fixed but you've got no Tannehill you've not got you've you've likely not got a franchise quarterback in Tannehill mm-hmm. you've not got a high pick you've not got a lot of cap space particularly there's not a huge amount of talent on that roster I don't think I think you've got a couple of players Tunsil is one who probably could be a bit of a blue chip player when he's at his best defensive side of the ball though there's not a huge amount there the raging really... isn't it McCoy is, it's I like Rashad Jones I like Xavier Howard but Vince Fitzpatrick, but I, we expected more from Fitzpatrick. He had a great first than, half of the season. Than the, some of the uh, the Dolphins, um, the Dolphins wind talkers that have come out and were saying Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be a top, top, top talent, and we didn't really see that throughout the entire of the of the season. What about the Broncos head jo- uh, head coaching job? I think that's a really ugly proposition potentially. Because in Elway, you've got someone who seemingly can't catch any kind of uh, criticism due to what a legend he is at the team, but who hasn't done a good job, who, other than when Peyton Manning's been there, they've only had losing seasons and looked terrible. Yes, Peyton Manning ended up being... Peyton Manning might not have come to the team if it wasn't for Elway, and he went and won a Super Bowl. So for that, you've got to give some some props, but... Outside of that, they've not drafted well. They've not dealt with the quarterback position. That's still a problem for them. The defensive side of the ball is aging now. Even the likes of the, the kind of Von Millers, those really, they've lost big pieces in their secondary to other teams. I think that Broncos head coach That's job's quite an ugly one as well. Like, not necessarily going to be difficult to get that to a, a 500 team, but to get them to be a contender, I think it's a really tough job. Yeah, the problem is that aged or aging defense and. And the youthfulness of the offense. Although some people may say, do you know what? We can work that into our advantage with Philip Lindsay and um, uh, Royce Freeman and, and the, the the rookie wide receivers and Emmanuel Sanders to come back. But they're so they're talent poor, really. When you think about it, I could see Elway almost. Well, how about this? Elway trading. With the Ravens for Joe Flacco. They've also... Joe Flacco is very much potential. They've got $48 million in cap space, which is the one thing that does make that job potentially... It's not a... This is what I'm saying. It's not a terrible roster. It's a potential 5-5 and roster. I just... It's not like one of these rosters where you've got exciting young talent to really, really grab you by the nuts and make you go yes i'm excited i I want this job yeah you're right it it doesn't have that but i could see that flacco moving one way and and um kessler going the other and backing up lamar jackson next year something like that but look i think the arizona cardinals is not a particularly attractive option but that's because i'm not that high on josh rose and they're losing larry fitzgerald i'm pretty sure that he won't come back for me josh rosa makes enough Good throws, and I mean, 
good throws as a really legitimate like we talked about this a lot but the things that you look for in a future quarterback so as much as Lamar Jackson has been fantastic to watch yeah yeah, yeah. I've not seen great pocket manipulation I've not seen him keep his eyes downfield I've not seen him progress through his reads I'm not like and I'm not necessarily he needed to do all that stuff right now but it's going to be fascinating to see how he does next season when teams have got a load of tape on him whereas Rosen actually does do a lot of that stuff well it reminds me a little bit of um Jared Goff's first season where mm. he had a rough rough time of it but he made enough good plays and stayed confident and kept working hard to the end of the season that you looked at him and went with the right coach with the right situation there's real potential there and then he showed in the next season and a half I know there's been a bit of a drop off lately as they've kind of been figured out yeah but, but- the, the problem then you've got for Arizona is that you're going to have to have a new coach coming in so there's not the continuity with um, like Goff had with Sean McVay. The Rams also brought in loads of pieces for that defense to keep Goff um, or keep Goff in a position where he was up. He was playing with their, their noses in front, which is much better than trying to chase a game when you're actually controlling it through your defense. Arizona don't have that luxury. There's nothing. There's almost nothing on defense. It's another situation as well where you're going in there with an incumbent general manager and the power dynamic that that suggests and you know Steve Kime took over in 2013 and they have none of the players from his first two drafts mm. still on their roster and given what happened I think you're right I think Arizona I, I've got Miami bottom and Arizona probably second bottom and given what happened to Kime at the beginning of the season and the, his off the field or his um, his personal issues with the DUI and, and all of that is that the kind of environment that you want to be going into especially when a legend of the team is going to be leaving and all you've got is really all you've got is Nick Bosa who they may draft or may not probably you never know they might they might trade down be hilarious if they didn't if they, if they can Arizona just trade down for somebody who desperately wants a quarterback <laughs> I'm and sure then Nick not Bosa can fall to number two and the 49ers can get the edge rusher they desperately need we'll go and get Antonio Brown using our 2020 first round pick which at that point let's be honest will be 28 or later and uh, <laughs> yeah I'm kidding of course but if they could find a way to let us have Nick Bosa that'd be lovely Thank you. but the only thing they've got is David Johnson and David Johnson isn't the same player that came into the this season as the number one draft pick for a lot of people so we, we agree that Miami and, and Arizona are tough ones I don't like Tampa Bay either no no head coach has lasted more than three years since they fired John Gruden 11 years ago. Jameis Winston's probably gone. So you're starting from scratch. No, didn't they say that they're going to keep they're going to roll with Jameis Winston? Didn't I see the GM come out and say he will be here for the next year? Oh, they yeah, they have. Oh, blimey. I I thought that they were going to Jason Light saying he's going to be your quarterback. Yeah. He's been telling coaching candidates that. I had got the impression they were going to let him go and not take his fifth-year option. Ooh, that makes that job even worse. They do. They have talent there. Levante David, Gerald McCoy, Mike Evans. But, yeah, I, 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 I've not seen enough from Winston. And it's off-the-field stuff. That doesn't make that a good job. Plus, they're terrible uniforms. Hashtag kit watch. Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm I think, sure that doesn't vote into anyone's decision making. But yeah, you, it's not a great. I, no, I think it does. I, I think if I turn up for the head coaching job, I might turn around and say, okay, I'll take the job. But those digital Casio watch numbers have to be gone. Let's revamp the uniform. Yeah. yeah. That's part of my deal. That's we have to. It's good for you. You get the media get off your back. You make money off the New Jersey sales. Great. Just get rid of it. It's dreadful. Yeah. Uh, I think the Cincinnati and, and Denver both sit right in around that middle region. Cincinnati... Yeah, because there's some interesting things on defence and they, they, they always play defence stoutly and I quite like the, the coordinator there, the defensive coordinator there as well. They're clearly patient, as we've seen with Marvin Lewis, which <laughs> gives a new head coach. You're not going to get a Steve Wilkes situation, most likely. Guess who's interviewed p- potentially on today, on Wednesday. He could be in his interview right now. Go on. Hugh Jackson. They're interviewing Hugh Jackson for the head coaching job in Cincinnati. Ridiculous, but they do have uh, they do have uh, Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard, which is a nice one-two combination at running back. 
Andy Dalton is not a terrible quarterback. He's very middling a quarterback. But he will he will get you five or six wins a year, and then you try and hope that everyone else will do that. You've got AJ Green, you've got that, Tyler it, Boyd, it's like you've got them. Tyler Eifert. So they do have they do have options. They do have talent. It's just about keeping them fit. There's no excuse to not get 500 there, like with Denver. But if you didn't get much over that, it wouldn't be a kind of surprise. I, I it's kind of right in the middle for me, which means the Jets. It's a top three job this year. But do you have to look the at... The Jets! But Willie, especially with the Bengals, and you have to look at the rest of their division, where the Ravens, they're keeping on John Harbour, and they're going to look good, and they're going to continue to look good next year. You've got the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have no idea what's going to happen with them. But you've also got the Browns, who we'll come to in a sec, who is a very attractive proposition for any new head coach. But yeah, you're right. The Jets at number three. What... Sam Darnold showed enough promise, yeah. to, to uh, particularly down the stretch, to keep you excited. A hundred million dollars in cap space available to them. Plus, there's the idea that they've not, you know, they've not been to the Super Bowl since 1969. Actually, uh, it feels like if you just get this team to the playoffs for three straight years, you're going to be like Marvin Lewis. You're going to get treated like a king and probably be kept in town for ten plus years, even though it's the much more difficult New York media market. What are they picking third in the draft? Yeah, third. I thought it was. There was a lot of reports. It was fourth early on Sunday, but I don't know something about strength of schedule with the Raiders meant they moved up to third. But listen, they pick third. They could potentially move down. There's a lot of offensive skill position players out there available potentially this off season as they well. They need a running spend back. Spend that that cap space on. Get Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell into New York to work with Sam Darnold. Yeah. You know, spend 50 million of that 100 million on those two and just go, yeah, well, we're just going to outscore you all. Then you, they've got some pieces. I like. I quite like their safeties. I don't mind their defensive line. I, I'm Defensively, they're interesting. And do you know what? When you've got across town, or it's not across town because it's across the stadium, across the locker rooms, and you've got what New York have at those positions at running back and at wide receiver, those two marquee players, the Jets must look over with envy and think, Oh, I'd love I'd love Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley. I hold up. Available could be Le'Veon Bell <laughs> and Antonio Brown. Wouldn't that be amazing? Those two What the New York market would implode. It would be... They couldn't handle it. You'd, you'd have to get a season ticket just for the stadium, and every week you go. <laughs> you go, and one week you get to watch those two, and the next week you get to watch the other two. Incredible. Uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the, Aaron Rodgers is both the reason this is an attractive job and the reason it's potentially a millstone around your neck. Yeah. Firstly, because of his relationship with coaches over the years has been fraught, but also because expectations are high from moment one. And the rest of your roster, it's not abysmal, but it's not great. Look, I think hamstrung by offensive play calling, hamstrung by by Rodgers changing the plays to potentially plays which aren't suitable, Hang, hamstrung by Rodgers caring about records of not being intercepted more than lofting one up and, and trusting his receivers. Trying to win games. but But also, yeah. But, Offensively, the offensive line is okay. It needs retooling, but you've got two pretty decent running backs. You've got some interesting wide receiver options in Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is great. I don't. I'm not bothered by anything behind him. I quite like Geronimo Allison, but we didn't. He couldn't stay fit. Glorified specialty. He had a, a a problem with concussions, which is something that's blighted Green Bay for a while with Sam Shields. Remember, um, but defensively, they need. They they really miss Mohamed Wilkinson when he went out at the beginning of the season. I think that was their defensive plans completely thrown into disarray. And I don't trust Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin sucks. I think Brian Gutekunst will have some pressure on him to, to perform in the GM role. Two first-round picks, ample cap space. What is if it, 12 in the back end? Something like 29, something like that? If you, If you can get... If you can get assurances and you can get a good working relationship with Gutkunst, this could be turned into a playoff team reasonably quickly because of Aaron Rodgers. But also, things could go incredibly sour incredibly quickly for the same reasons. And suddenly, Rodgers is 38 and probably won't win a second Super Bowl. And mm. what an ugly situation that is. It's uh, horrible. It's, it's difficult. I hope you get it right, buddy. I really do. 
Yeah, well, you know, thanks, bud. That means that the Cleveland Browns are the official gridiron best job available. Why? Tell me why. Why are they better than Green Bay? Talent is the first thing. Defensive talent. They've is, got more is, talent than the Green Bay Packers have. It's off the charts. Yeah, you're right. And I'm not going to turn around and suggest that Baker Mayfield is better than Aaron Rodgers. But there is a level of excitement of having the best young quarterback in the NFL, and that's what I think Baker Mayfield is at this point. He's my offensive rookie of the year, and I know that most people go, ah, Saquon Barkley, and I get that he set a bunch of records, only the third running back with over 2,000 yards, and whilst doing it on a bad team. Edrin James and who did it the other time? Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson. Both did it on winning teams, on playoff teams, on good quality teams. Saquon Barkley did it with Eli Manning and a dumpster fire around Mm -hmm. him. So there is every reason to say Saquon Barkley in probably eight seasons of the last ten wins Offensive Rookie of the Year. But Mayfield just showed me something. In only 13 out of 16 starts, throwing the most touchdowns of any rookie quarterback, always keeping his team in games and competitive, always keeping his eyes downfield, making some great throws, making plays outside of the pocket, inside the pocket. I love this guy. He is just a winner straight up. So you get that. You then get on the defensive side. You mentioned uh, there's exciting young talent there. The likes of Denzel Ward was a brilliant pick this year and looks like he's going to be really good. You've got Miles Garrett there. and Pass rush is great. Uh, I really like the fact that you've got on the offensive side of the ball, I trust in the fact that Chubby, Nick Chubb. I like Nick Chubb. I think they probably need some offensive line help. They probably need a left tackle in there quite quite massively but I thought Callaway looked good down the stretch Jarvis Landry had a really good year uh, they even got um, old Brashard Perriman came in and had a really good last three or four games including catching a touchdown against the Ravens which was great to see on the defense side of the ball I mentioned Miles Garrett but I like Emmanuel Ogbar on the other side Jamie Collins yes he can freelance a bit too much but he's a playmaker I love Jabril Peppers there's so much to like about this team from a talent perspective I like Jabril Peppers, and there yeah. is because you have a young quarterback who's not not earning a lot of money. You have that Seahawks-Russell-Wilson situation where you can go, right, we've got a great young quarterback who is earning... Oh, okay, he's earning more than Wilson was because he went at the, the, the top of the first round, but you have cap space because of that to go out and pick up free agents, which is what the Seahawks did, put together a great defense, and bang, they went to two Super Bowls and won one of them. This Browns team could be in a Super Bowl within two years. Absolutely convinced of that. Did you mention David Njoku? I didn't mention David Njoku and I should have done because he's great. I really like Njoku. He's no George Kittle, but But when uh, Hashtag Kittle for all pros. Just to to emphasise your your Mayfield love, remember when he came in for Tyrod Taylor against the Jets Mm -hmm. and on his first, I think it was even his first throw yeah. it you could see the change in offense and the difference between him he and came Tyra in at Taylor. the end of the first half didn't he because yeah. he had a couple of plays at the end of the first half and then came out and played the whole of the second half i remember it well now and the the the, the sea change between him from him to or from tyra taylor to him was so stark that you thought that the team believe in this kid and this kid's going to do stuff and he did stuff seven wins for a team that didn't win any for the last two seasons. Ridiculous. Well, the two the two previous seasons. So one hundred percent, he should be offensive rookie of the year. And two, you're right. What a what a great thing for an offensive minded um, head coach or a head coach who brings in an offensive minded or, or a quarterback minded um, offensive coordinator to help guide this guy and the organization past the Ravens, the Steelers, and. And the Bengals and, and a bit of dominance. I think the the, the ceiling is re- actually really high with this team. Yeah, I, it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be an NFL fan. Exciting I feel time like... to be a Browns fan. And I'm so desperate for them to be good. They could absolutely Browns it up, but they have one of those fan bases who just deserve some success. Yeah, they've been. They lost their team for a while. They've been so loyal, so dedicated through years and years and years of hardship. And right now, if you've not read Mark Sessler's amazing piece on being a Browns fan, it is fantastic. And he retweeted it at the end of the season. Well worth going and checking out. I, uh, it's a long form, but it's worth a good, good lengthy read. I, I just, you know, I love an underdog and they are the ultimate underdog. It feels like, Willie, just talking a bit of football, going deep in football, you've 
come out of your grouch mouchiness. I have massively come out of my grouch There we go, buddy. That's good because you've got a, an actual radio show to do in a bit. <laughs> I really And do. if you were going to be a grouch mouch, um, game over for Sammy Stevens. Uh, coming up probably tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this, we'll be doing a preview of the four games this weekend. Plus Ollie and myself from midnight Saturday night. You're involved, aren't you, Ollie? Yeah, just making sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, you know, it's it's a different day. I did get that email. Yeah, good, (laughs) good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're going to be involved. We're going to be doing Saturday night from midnight on TalkSport. We're bringing you the Seattle Seahawks at the Dallas Cowboys. If you're not, if you're going to watch it on TV, sync us up. Enjoy the great Kevin Kugler and our commentary team. Whilst you get to listen to us wittering in between, you get involved. We read your tweets. It'll be a great time for everyone. Ollie. Before we get the latest odds with Skybet, any final thoughts? I'm going to... Oh, no, 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 no final thoughts. No. I could save my final thought for the for the preview show. I was super intrigued as to what your final thoughts yeah, were going to be then, but I know, I know. we'll have to leave it for another time. Ollie, thank you so much. What a you tease. Guys, thank you so much <laughs> for listening. As always, go and rate, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff on iTunes and everywhere else. It helps us pick up more listeners. Uh, another great regular season. We love everyone that gets in touch and gets involved in the show, and we look forward to taking you through the playoffs, both here on the Gridiron Show and on TalkSport. But for now, let's get the latest odds with our friends at Skybet. Right, let's get the latest odds now then with our friends at Skybet. Delighted to say that means Jacob's on the line. Jacob, very happy New Year to you. I hope you had a, an enjoyable festive period. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. We had some uh, some good games over the period as well, didn't we? Yeah, not bad week 17. Not a bad one at all. And, uh, and uh, honestly, a cracking-looking wildcard weekend. All four games look tight to me, which makes, obviously, for interesting markets. So let's start off by talking about the early game on Saturday, the 9.35 kickoff. The Indianapolis Colts heading to Houston to face the Texans. Yeah, so we've got a tight game here. Handicap's only set at one point. We've got the Texans are four to five and the Colts are twenty one to twenty. At the moment, the public are all over the Colts. I think ninety five percent of stakes have been on the Colts so wow. far. So I think they've they've been a very popular team all season. From as soon as they started that that run that they went on, people were backing them for the playoffs, for all sorts of the division, for all sorts of things. Obviously they did sneak into the playoffs with that that last game. I think they're gonna be very, very popular again this week. We've got the total points set at 49, which is actually the highest of all the games this weekend. So looking for quite a few points, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, it's a, I, Honestly, I, I'm really excited for this. And I feel like the Colts, with that momentum, with the fact that they've come from being 1-5 and five to being 10-6, and six, you know, that 9-1 and one run that they've been on in the, in the latter half of the season, if, if they played like that from week one, they could honestly be a team who have a bye right now. And we'd be talking about Andrew Luck as an MVP candidate. And even if you look yeah. at that early stretch in the season, they never lost a game. I think only the game at the Patriots did they lose by more than a score. So... I, I'm excited about this team and what they can do. I like them in Houston to get a result, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the individual player markets coming up. But firstly, the game we've got on TalkSport on Saturday night, Seattle in Dallas to face the Cowboys, and another one that feels very, very tight. Yeah, it is another very tight game. That's set at two and a half points for the Cowboys, that handicap. So the Cowboys set at 8-11, to 11, Seahawks at 11-10. to 10, And yet again just over 90% of stakes on the Seahawks. So another another big underdog, another underdog the public are really, really back in. And again, it seems like they've been quite a popular team on this little run into the playoffs. I think if maybe the game was three weeks ago when everyone was kind of on the Dallas train, then it might have been the other way around for the public. But at, at the moment, everyone's liking the Seahawks at the value. I'm liking the Seahawks as well. Let me tell you, Amari Cooper hasn't gone over 32 receiving yards in the last three weeks. I know they got that win in week 17, but I just not I did not understand why when your position is already locked in, you left your, your starters in right till the end. I, I like the Seahawks to go on the road, and I like back-to-back road wins on Saturday. How exciting is that to, for a way to, uh, to kick off the playoffs? Um, but we, are, the, the, we have also got some, some individual player markets on the go as well, which are a really interesting thing to watch out this weekend. Yeah, so along with all the usual markets we have in each game, We've also got some specials for the whole wild card weekend. So you can back most passing yards for the wild card weekend. So we'll start with that one. The favourite now is Andrew Luck. He's sitting at nine to four. Just behind him, we've got Philip Rivers at three to one. 
Then behind that, we've got Nick Foles at 6-1, to one, Trubisky 13-2, to two, Zach Prescott 15-2, to two, Deshaun Watson 8-1. to one. And then finally, we've got Russell Wilson at 10s and Lamar Jackson at 28-1. to one. Yeah, Lamar Jackson might be a better bet in the most rushing yards market. <laughs> well, he's certainly a lot shorter for that one. <laughs> so what's the uh, rushing yards market looking like? So we've got Ezekiel Elliott, quite a heavy favourite here at 6-4. to four. The drop-off then goes down to Chris Carson at 5-1. to one. Then we've got Lamar Jackson, who we just spoke about, at 6-1. to one. Then Jordan Howard at 7-1. to one. Melvin Gordon at 8-1. to one. Lamar Miller at 9-1. to one. Gus Edwards at 10-1, to one, along with Marlon Mack as well at 10-1. And then Josh Adams sat out at 16-1. to one. It's funny, we've got Lamar, you've got Lamar Jackson in for more rushing yards than Gus Edwards, which is... I can't, I can't remember the last time I saw a quarterback in for more than his running back. Yeah, I, I, maybe going back to the Kaepernick playoff runs where he went to Green Bay, etc. But even then, no one expected him to necessarily do that. He just did it. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, and what about in the receiving yards category? So for the receivers, it's a little bit more even. We've got DeAndre Hopkins at 7-2. to T.Y. Hilton sat just behind him at 4-1. to one. So we've got two right there in the same game. Keenan Allen at 6-1. to one. Amari Cooper at seven to one, Olshan Jeffrey and Zach Ertz both for the Eagles at nine to one. Then we've got Tyler Lockett at ten to one, Doug Baldwin at twelve to one, Alan Robinson at fourteen, Eric Ebron at sixteen, Golden Tate twenty to one, Mike Williams twenty to one, and finally Nelson Aguilar at twenty-five to one. So, if I wanted to do a request to bet to get the, the three favourites as a uh, uh, as a, a, a treble, so Andrew Luck, I mean, he threw for three hundred and ninety nine yards when he was in Houston a few weeks ago, had a great game there, and obviously has been brilliant this second half of the season. Zeke Elliott, I think, is an obvious favourite, even though he's going up against the Seahawks. The Seahawks are on the road where their defence hasn't stood as stout at all, and they have had. Whilst Jerram Reed, for example, has had a great season, been a bit of a drop off towards the end of the year. So I like him there. And then DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, in the top 15 in terms of receiving yards this season, it's only he and T.Y. Hilton playing this weekend. And he had 300 plus more yards and and 39 more receptions than T.Y. Hilton did. So there's obvious reason, I think, that the favourites are the favourites. And some people might think it's boring, but I want to know what I get on a request to bet for the favourites. So you want to combine the three favourites, that's going to go up at 40 to 1. Like you said, you know, Andrew Luck had a great game against the Texans a few weeks ago. And let's not forget early on in week five or four, I think it was, where he played and he threw for over 450 yards against them in that, that overtime three-point loss. So this year, you know, he's had a very good record against the Texans. And as we saw, I'm sure lots of people saw that stat going round of DeAndre Hopkins not having a drop all season. In that game against the Colts, he went off for 169 yards, I think. You've got Zeke Elliott, like you say, he's going up against the, the Seahawks, but the Seahawks, you know, they like to run the ball so much that sometimes it tempts the other team into trying to do the same and trying to control the clock as much as they do. So you could end up with a with two teams there trying to run the ball so much that does play into the into Zeke's hands. So I, I'm I'm all for that forty to one as well. I'm definitely going to go and put, be putting a couple of quid on that now. Uh, is there um, are there any other uh, any other offers going on this weekend? Yep, so we've got the return of the Rab offer this weekend. That's going to be on the last Sunday game. So that will be on the Bears-Eagles game. That's live now. So any if you spend up to £10 on request to bet on the Bears-Eagles game, you'll have £5 free bet to spend on any NFL markets. You can spend that on any of the other markets. We've also got two touchdown trebles this week. So we've got one across the Saturday games and one across the Sunday games. So the Saturday one is Hopkins, Elliott and Hilton all to score. And that's gone from threes to six, six to one. And then on the Sunday, we've got Keenan Allen, Lamar Jackson and Jordan Howard. And that's going from six to one to 12 to one. Well worth a watch out for. Brilliant stuff, Jacob. As always, full terms and conditions at skybet.com. It is over 18s only and please gamble responsibly.